Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, Lawrence Viscantini, is a decorated wellness royalty. He is certified and authorized. I mean, if you've ever taken a fitness class, the likelihood is that you have already experienced his work. He is an innovator, an educator, and an award-winning mindful movement specialist. Lawrence has traveled the globe offering world-class secrets in mentoring, fitness, and spa programming for properties and for people for more than three decades. He has created fitness and wellness programs for the likes of Equinox and Gold's Gym International, to name a few. He is an expert who has seen an industry through vast growth and change. He is a pro-aging specialist, a lecturer, an author. He sits on councils and advisory boards, and he is highly philanthropic. He runs the show as he runs around the world, but today he is here and he is in my heart. Lawrence, welcome. Namaste, namaste to your viewers. Thank you for your interest in my work. I am humbled. I'm honored. And this is a big deal. (laughs) You're a big deal. I mean, dream job alert. (laughs) You travel the world teaching and creating group fitness and wellness programs on an international level. And right now you're in Greece. What are you doing in Greece? I live in Mykonos from Easter to Halloween, and then I spend the winters in Puerto Rico. New York is a little flat that I use for medical checkups and things like that because it's a great stop off and theaters open or closed or shopping. But I don't love the cold. I love the cold when it's not part of my daily lifestyle. Right. When you can visit it and leave. So you have found that nurturing your optimal health and wellness is in warmer climates. Absolutely. I follow the sun or I'd say the the sun follows me. Yep. That's amazing. So, I mean, I just love that that little tip right there that you said, this is who I am. And I know this about myself and we don't do that enough. I don't think Lawrence, generally speaking, really listen to our inner voices and say, this is who I am, but you've made a life and career out of teaching really and sharing fitness and yoga and Tai Chi. In fact, I think you are one of the only trainers in the United States or very few trainers who has actually been granted like permission, right? From Japanese teachers to actually be, I don't, I want to call it like a sensei of, of Tai Chi and wellness all around wellness. Can you just tell us how you got started? 
Heather, thanks. I got started a long time ago by necessity because my bloodline is less, less, less than ideal. My father died of heart disease. My half brother died at 29 of heart disease uh, in pretty instantly. And I was over fat as a child and I had crazy blood work profiles. And I finally decided that unless I wanted to continue in the sort of bloodline of my family die young i needed to make some changes and so i started making some movement and mind changes which included what went into my mouth as well as what came out of my heart and uh, people started saying oh my gosh what are you doing in college right and uh, i thought i'm not really sure but i'm eating less and moving more and then i thought when they said well tell us too i better start to get certified because i don't want to do anyone else harm so i went to washington dc and american council on exercise had something called the gold certification for group fitness gold just meant there were no standards there were no books to study you think you know what you got come and sit for an exam in washington dc i went and i passed i've kept it current since the 80s and added subsequent certifications of course and started in fitness from lifestyle i didn't love to move i don't think fun is tabata i don't think fun is saying oh i really want to go on a five mile hike and then prepare for a marathon and help other people like-minded individuals do the same nah that's not what i am i want to enjoy life i love sunsets over sunrises and i love wine and i love to enjoy the mediterranean lifestyle and i think that moving is part of what we need every day and so i try to find those other like-minded individuals and there are many right because not everybody is born and says, oh, I want to go to a gym and I want to sweat and be sore and do all those kind of wonderful things. Those are wonderful environments, but it's fit people getting fitter. And so I sort of speak to the people who were like I was or who are like I am. Right. A hundred percent. So I love that couple takeaways. So first and foremost is that at a young age, you recognize that your DNA wasn't your destiny, that you could, in fact, stack the odds in your favor against disease and illness and toward good health and wellness. Now, I had a similar epiphany. I was a little bit older than you. I went right toward nutrition. You went toward movement and mindful movement. So not running, you know, a, a, a marathon, but can you tell us you're a mindful movement specialist? Can you tell us what that means and teach us really the truth about how mindfulness plays a role in our health? Surely the first thing I found was something that was super slow moving in the East Coast of the United States in the 80s, which wasn't as ubiquitous as it was now, which turned out to be Tai Chi. And it was in parks. Mom and I were driving by and I saw people moving very slowly in, let's say, people clothes or street clothes, not looking like gym people, no sweat, nothing fast, no tackle football, nothing aggressive. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is that? It's not even dancing fast. And that became my first life long love with movement that was dry. And then I found I needed something a little more aggressive because you get more, you do more. You want more, you got to change, right? If nothing changes, nothing changes. And to get what you never had, you sometimes have to start doing what you've never done. So then I thought the water environment and I discovered the pool and I thought, wow, no one sees me from here down. I can even wear a shirt because most people do. And I don't know that I'm sweating. I'm working out harder, but I'm so much more buoyant. And it's such a wonderful return to the womb. I was in water eight months, nine months before I ever came onto the hard earth and started walking or crawling around. And they became my, my, my lifelong love. And then I discovered 
that nothing has to be more intense than that. On land, it can be Tai Chi, and in the water, you can choose how hard to work, and I'm tempted to work harder because I don't know I'm sweating. So by mindful movement specialist just became, um, let's say, flirtation throughout my whole life or an exploration, or to use the Greek word, odyssey exploration of what I discovered we have to do a little bit of every day, which is think and laugh and eat and love and breathe and move. And if we do just a little bit of those things, I have goosebumps every single time I say them, uh, in the right amounts, in a mindful approach, not necessity and check it off and I have to get in my work out. What does that even mean, work out? I believe I'd rather train in or train within than work out, like work out, work outside my body, work outside my comfort zone, work out of my sanity. I don't understand. Therefore, uh, those are the six things I think we need a little bit every day. Amazing. Can you repeat them? Because I got the goosebumps too. <laughs> Thank you. I call it the LB method. T-H-E-L-B, my initials, M for method. T-H-E-L-B-M. And that's how I remember them, Heather. Think and humorize and eat and laugh and breathe and move every day a little bit in the right amounts. A right amount. I love that because we do. I, listen, I had a conversation with the great Deion Sanders many years ago, maybe a decade ago now. And he told me that your body and your weight and your health are 90% what you put in your mouth. He said, the rest is really the movement. And you, you know, you don't need to work out. I'm an athlete who needs to excel on the field. So I need to push my body. Maybe those are the people that need to work out of themselves to become better, 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 strong. But those are, you know, decorated athletes. You know what I mean? That make their money that way. Normal human beings don't need to do that. We need to set a true moment for ourselves to listen to our inner voice to say, what is it that really works for me? What do I enjoy? Like, is it a swim in the pool? Is it a walk in nature? Is it a walk with my dog? You know what I mean? So first finding what works for us and then leaning into, I think, the importance of ritual and routine when it comes to health and fitness. I have found that to be very important. Do you find that to be important, Lawrence? Absolutely, Heather. If I have 20 minutes set aside to manage an Insta account or a, a, an account on the gram, as I do so many, then yeah. I have a system and the more I do it, the easier it gets. I will set time and I will set energy and I will set effort based on a lot of factors for that day. And when we set ourselves up for success, one of the things is setting aside a time to be fully present in what we do. A weight that might be 10 pounds one day may feel like I could do extra reps. It doesn't feel so heavy today. The next day, hangover, flu, less than eight hours sleep, whatever else is going on in your body, it may feel like I don't want to lift this thing, three sets of eight to 12 reps. It's the same eight pounds or the same four kilos. What, what's incredible is how our perception changes everything. So yes, a system of commitment is what sets us up for success. Yeah, 100%. Because we know that it's hard for people to commit, right? And to stay on regular fitness routines. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. I'm sorry, but with a lot of propaganda trying to trick people that are just trying to do the right things and get out of their own way and get into sort of a routine that's going to stack the odds in their favor toward better health. What is it about us, Lawrence? Because we were really 
built to move. We were built to hunt and gather we, just as much as we're meant to sleep and eat and breathe. I think moving our bodies should be a natural behavior. Why is it that we as humans have a barrier to something I believe should be programmed into us like breathing and sleeping activity? What are the real barriers? You, you're, you know this answer. I know it. And what are the real tips for starting and staying on an active is what I like to call it program? That we know what a loaded question. I love questions that become sort of keynote addresses all in their own. And that was just brilliant. One takeaway from your question is how do we get in our own way? And number two, what are other things we could do to, to help set ourselves up for success? One is finding our little obstacles that psychologically, whether we realize it or not, keep us from our own success. I don't with the classes and clients and some of the companies I work for as, as you're a consultant, not all the patents that you have, hello. But <laughs> when we work with companies, one of the things we have to do is help them see how they're in their own way. And instead of a but, um, they can look at an and, or instead of a no, add a T, meaning not yet, for example. Number two, surround yourself by like-minded people to set yourself up for success. If you want to get a little bit fitter and you're a couch potato, then you surround yourself by people who are in the same boat and all boats will rise, right? Not surround yourself by people preparing for a marathon because you're only going to feel crazily and, and incompetent there. Number three, surround yourself on a spiritual level by people who make you feel absolutely stupid. Because if everyone's always saying, you're right, oh my gosh, tell me how, did you ever, what's your quote? Then you end up being the one everyone up to whom everyone looks, right? But if you surround yourself by your psychological or spiritual team that makes you feel kind of stupid, which I do in mastermind groups, then wow, then I know I'm always on the right track because I'm learning and writing and taking notes and thinking of of, of those kind of things. What's born in us to move, Heather, is different amounts of, of movement based on where we come from and our socioeconomic status. And unfortunately, number four, our fitness environment, uh, let's say our Western established fitness environment doesn't set us all up for success. It's the choir preaching to the choir for new ways for fit people to stay fit or get fitter, but not to get the people, the masses, who right. don't know what a form of movement could be and make them feel welcome. I don't believe that movement or gyms are mandatory for everyone. I believe that movement and gyms must make everyone feel welcome should they make a choice to walk in through those doors without ever having the words appear, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, because those are yet more labels on more people. I'm gonna pay you to put a label on me as a beginner so I can go sit and learn how to breathe in a yoga class because it's developed for me. Maybe, maybe we talk about abilities, not length of time on our planet or practicing a discipline, for example, because if you come from the circus and have never practiced yoga before, you're certainly not going to take beginner level one, for example. I'm not, I'm not into those kind of labels on people. And I really believe that we have to get out of the mindset in the traditional Western fitness facilities that exercise is for everyone. Movement is mandatory. Exercise is an elite option. I love the way that you put that because, you know, listen, you've 
been doing this since before the turn of the century. I mean, from Richard Simmons to Jillian Michaels, right? From Absolutely. you know anti-aging to pro-aging. You just mentioned what I would call, and I know you've called in your your lectures, wellness without walls, right? I love that. You've seen it all. Let's talk about the shift in the industry and the positive changes you've seen and frankly have led. And, and some of the the things that are not changing that we need to change as people because propaganda will have it that, well, we're out there as human beings trying to figure it out. And yes, the gyms and those ads speak to the fit. What's speaking to the unfit or the people that are searching for their space is the magic little pill. They're going to market the magic little pill to that person. They're going to give you the quote unquote silver bullet. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. Right. And and we know that and you know that. And so I want to talk about the changes in the industry, but I do want to talk about food and nutrition. And I feel like that's a good segue. Give us the true facts. You know, tell me what Deion Sanders said for these people that are really in these weight loss cycles and nightmares that can't get out of it. And they're trying to do the right thing, but they seem to fail over and over again. Their esteem sinks, their social calendars sink. They feel like they have that label on their forehead. So loaded question only because it has a lot of uh, pieces to it, but I know you got the answers for us. You are so sweet to set me up for success by saying, I know you got this. Really? Okay. <laughs> Number one, when I'm working with food as a certified nutritional consultant, not RD, with apparently healthy individuals, then the first thing we work on is what's going on in their lives. Because at the end and the beginning of any day, the most important thing is not what you're eating, but what's eating you. And how do you define the difference between physical hunger and what your physical needs are. And then, because I might want a whole piece of chocolate cake, but I might not need a whole piece of chocolate cake. Or I might want five apples and I might not need five apples unless I need them, right? What is the difference between physical hunger and other forms of hunger like sexual and social and psychological forms of hunger? And we have them and often confuse them. And the easiest thing to do is bring something from our world into our body to feel full. But necessarily, not always are we making our correct choices. So number one, what's the difference in physical hunger and other forms of hunger and what are they? Number two, how much of anything do I need versus want? And number three, is this a healthy choice? And I work with classes and clients on what's the definition for them on what a healthy choice could be. I never start working with clients by taking things away. You're a smoker. You're a drinker. You eat a pound of bacon every morning. Bless your heart. You are, you use the word normal earlier. I like to start by finding out what's going on emotionally with people and then say, could you think of adding a few things? Because once people get results and there's no better result than a great night's sleep or loving yourself naked or nude, then you're going to make more decisions to make more, more change whether that's adding or subtracting in the future. The most important thing is to look at food, I think, and our relationship with food emotionally before we start looking at calories and grams and fiber. Menopause was an issue for me. When I went through menopause, my hormones were changing and the weight was piling on and my progesterone was messed up. And it was like pound after pound. Like, I mean, healthy weight loss is like a pound a week. I was gaining a pound a week. I mean, it was crazy. And so once I got my hormones figured out, I, I plateaued again and I got to a place that was good. And what I found is I weigh myself every day right now. It's just the way I keep in touch with myself. 
when I need comfort food or when I've binged or had partied or whatever, I can see on the scale in about 48 hours, I can see a pound or two come on me. I see it happen. It's literally for my body. But now what I've done is instead of freak out, I accept that it's going to come and I'm already excited about what I'm going to do healthy or the next, you know, what my next step is. Like I've made it almost like a fun challenge to myself instead of beating myself up saying, oh, you had the beer and pizza, you partied for the ball game and now you're paying for it with two pounds. I changed my perspective and perceptive and I was like, way to go, girl. You enjoyed yourself. You did what you needed. There is no cookie cutter side. Yes, we do have some recommended daily allowances and we have, you know, amount of weight that, you know, that BMI index that we should fall in between. But I think that BMI index is pretty generous. I think there's like a 10 pound slide between healthy weight and unhealthy weight. And I think- Well, fun fact, here here first now, when we Google BMI and some of the WHO branches, in the future, I don't think we're going to be following WHO's current and CDC's current BMI guidelines. Guidelines because we're realizing that they are definitely gender biased. Yeah. So when we look at the human race and those things we calculate, when we do things like charts and compare people to numbers on BMI, etc., we have to understand that those really are <laughs> very biased for white skinned Americans and Canadians and British. And we are definitely changing that. I don't think in five years we're going to be using BMI even in the medical community. Well, good, because that rolls into some of the positive changes that we've seen in the industry changes, because I was going to say, I don't like data and I don't like looking at numbers like that. I like, how are you feeling? How do you, how do you feel today? You know, I say this as a, as a health coach, I'll say, when you sit down to dinner or I go out to dinner and you open up the menu, if you see the chicken Parmesan and you're like, Ooh, I really want the chicken Parmesan, but I shouldn't have it. I really shouldn't have it. I shouldn't have it. But then you're like, okay, I'm going to get it anyway. And then you eat the chicken Parmesan and you push yourself away from the table. And you're like, boy, I'm really glad I had that chicken Parm. It was delicious. You made the right choice. If you're eating the chicken Parm and you're like, God, I really shouldn't be eating this. I'm only going to eat half. I'm only going to eat the whole thing. And then you leave, you're like, Oh, I eat that whole chicken Parmesan. I feel like crap. You made the wrong choice. It really is about your feeling, how you feel as a human being. And that is fitness. That is nutrition. That is spiritual practice. That is relationships. We're not responsible for the way you feel. You've got to own that for yourself. Right. I agree, Heather. Absolutely. And I think that if we can get ourselves into a habit of omitting the words good and bad and guilty relating to food and keep them related to ethics. You're good when you help the blind lady across the street or you're bad if you don't offer to help someone who might need assistance crossing in a wheelchair and you are not good or bad based on what you consume or you're using good or bad for food that you can't consume. Like if milk in a fridge turns sour, it's bad milk, but it's not a bad choice. And then ethics and guilt. How do we feel guilty by what we bring into our body? I just think it makes us such a privileged society in the world when our trash alone in many societies could fill so many restaurants and poor people's mouths around the world. Yeah, I think that excess is a big, uh, a big topic that we need to look at as Americans and, you know, not what, but how much, you know what I mean? Is really a good, you know, so crowding out maybe um, not so good choices with better choices. 
You know what sure. I mean? That's not even the best way to say it, but we're getting there. So that talks a little bit about some evolution in the industry. Talk about the speak that's changed. And, and then I want to get into um, anti-aging versus pro-aging and the shift that happened there. Shift happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. First, in our, in our industry, I love that we're just changing our nomenclature and opening up to the whole topic of bathrooms and identities and welcoming all humans by saying, hey, my friends at the beginning of classes. I mean, anyone who's still, hey, ladies and gentlemen, or hey, gang, or hey, guys, mm, we've moved on because it's uh, guys and gals and our non-binary pals. I mean, we didn't even think of those kind of languages years ago. And now the bathroom... Um, situation is getting so much more inclusive and in really wonderful establishments across the globe that are opening up their minds to we might not get it right but we definitely want to have these discussions we are definitely moving forward in that in that direction and the second part of your question well i think moving from anti-aging to pro-aging so and and you said before like we've got to get comfortable or when we get to that point where we're happy with our bodies and naked when we can stand in front of our bodies naked let's talk about that when you put age in the middle of that equation and you know it's a 52 year old ankle i'm looking at 52 year old breasts i'm looking at and things like that like i keep lifting my skin up lawrence <laughs> when i get in the mirror <laughs> so i don't believe that heather <laughs> i don't believe that there's a wonderful movie that is available on netflix and it changed my life and it's what brought me here to buy property and live in greece and it's on netflix it was shot here completely and it's called shirley like a female name s-h-i-r-l-e-e-y valentine like valentine's day shirley valentine and one of the many lines of from this script that I can quote written by a man about a woman's journey through menopause is she looks at herself in the mirror and Shirley quotes it's almost it was a one woman show in London and New York but the movie shot in Mykonos actually has lots of characters she looks at herself in the mirror and she says oh geez Shirley you're 58 no oh geez Shirley you're 58 it's about our perception and our tone and our self-talk because if we talked to our friends sometimes the way we talk to ourselves many of us wouldn't have any best friends would we and right. I think that I carry that through me that every year I have another Christmas birthday I look at myself in the mirror and I make myself have that oh geez Lawrence you're only 58 yay <laughs> let's celebrate happy birthday Merry Christmas and then a couple other lines from that movie are incredible we know from research that anybody on a package that's saying anti-aging I watch and I doubt because we can't, we can't have any anti-aging product. And here's why the only part of aging that we cannot train and reverse is chronological age. The good news, Heather, is we have four more types of aging so we can age well. We can become masters of becoming chronologically enriched, which is my new word for senior. A senior is a fourth year high school person or somebody waiting for a social security check or getting a discount on coffee at McDonald's, for example. However, we have active agers. Well, they're not active. Well, then they're agers, but they're not seniors. I think that word is so negative and we're not trying to teach or promote anti-aging. We're trying to promote active aging or aging well or aging well as a great reset for our planet and what we need and if we can't take these two years and sort of introspect uh, what could we do so terminology is important and then looking at our four types of age that we can train in reverse is also important because now we have research on that stuff yes 
I mean, I'm 52 and definitely like the whole midlife crisis thing is incredible. Like, cause you, <laughs> I went into my fifties feeling really good. Like I was like, I don't know what the big deal about 50 is and blah, blah, blah. But once you're in it, what happens is it's a reflective time in life. You know, I don't, I think midlife crisis is the wrong thing to call it. It's a time of reflection. You know what sure. I mean? And, and a time to like, you know, look back at where you've been and, and what you've learned and where you're going. And that can be difficult for people because you look back and you see that life is sad. You know, there's a lot of sadness and suffering in life, but it's those, those moments of suffering and sadness that make our happy moments so better and make that coming out through that thickness and that fog and that smog into clarity that that much more wonderful because we've evolved, we've learned, we've grown about ourselves. What's the hardest thing about aging for you? Like, what do you think that people, what's the hardest thing for people? Is it their appearances? Because it shouldn't be lack of being able to move. I think we have ego, especially now with social and we have our fake book mentality of what we want people to think we're about. I call that a website. And what we're really about, I call that social media. If we use social media for sort of a vulnerable, honest, visceral day, maybe some days with filters and maybe some days hashtag no filter. What the hardest part is, I think, Heather, when my clients wake up in the morning, I say the first part of, of life you're probably going to be going to is the bathroom. And do you want to walk there with no pain or do you want to shuffle there or do you want to get there with assistive devices? The most important thing I believe is how you wake up and greet your day. So what does that look like for you? Are you aging well? Oh, sure. I get up and I run to the gym. Well, bless your heart. You don't need me. But I look at so many people that have themselves in their own way because, oh, my shoulder, oh, my hip, oh, my knee, as if they only had one of those, by the way, we're so disconnected from our bodies. We even use the word, the article, the, instead of my, my left shoulder. Who says that? Oh, well, I've got the shoulder and I've got the knee and the arthritis. And it's so funny how English speakers distance ourselves from taking ownership of our own bodies. I'm fascinated by language. And I think when we learn to get out of our own way and look at ourselves, how do I want to go to the bathroom first in the morning is how I'm going to embrace any part of movement of my day. And maybe I'll hire someone or maybe I'll join someone or maybe I'll YouTube the right thing to learn where I can go to move mindfully. And I return to exercise is an option for the elite, but movement is mandatory. How do you wake up and want to go to the bathroom in the morning and back to your nutrition thing? What's going to happen when you get there? Are you regular or are you having writer's block? <laughs> Absolutely. I love that you put it that way because I was thinking as you were saying that, like I was thinking about an old overrun garden, like one that hasn't been tended to for a really long time. You know, we haven't been to the summer house in years. And what do we have to do when we get there? You got to dust it off and you got to start to clean it and renew it and it will come back. So we will come back. So everybody that is suffering now or thinks that's me, you know what I mean? I watched this really funny video on Instagram where it was a little baby who had just spent the weekend with his grandmother. And yeah. at the end of the weekend, he was walking with a gate, you know, walking like his grandma. You know what I mean? Because he's mimicking right. the way she walks. And I didn't even think right. That to me was a funny picture of youth and elderly. But really what now what you're saying, I was this was playing in my mind as you were talking was. I wish we could have gotten out in front of that woman and helped her can't so that she could walk to the bathroom better. Right. <laughs> it's like, Absolutely. You know, 
So, so for those people who are, you know, younger, like in your thirties or whatever, like an injured and things like that, like tend to it, care for it. Like physical therapy, those things are important. Get out in front of, you know, obesity, get out in front of when you have too much weight. If you are looking into uh, things like diabetes and inflammation and things like that, there are things that we can do. Okay. So Lawrence, and by the way, just to say, I was right. You did know the answer. So I didn't set you up and here's some more answers for you. So here are some age groups. Tell us what yeah. activities like you would recommend for our group. So like, let's talk about teenagers first. Like what should teenagers be concerned with talking about preparing ourselves for the pro aging of life? I think the most important thing we need to do is for every population and I'll say it and start as teenagers, start as pre-millennials, start at generation X, start in our kids schools, brain training, self-care, some form of meditation or mindfulness. If some national companies and devices put even one minute of breathing now up as, as something measurable, we must know we have peer-reviewed, published, and refereed research that guarantees the overall quality of our life improvement, self-care, as I repeat. I also think it's important that we look at how we can fulfill our bodies so that we, as we say in Tai Chi, we can't serve tea from an empty teapot. So we have to keep ourselves full first. And it used to be that you've heard the cliche, if you're on a plane and something happens, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. It's no longer the first thing to do, Heather, right? Because if you're on a plane, you're probably wearing a mask already because of COVID and restrictions. So the first thing you have to do is take off your mask which symbolically means get out of your own way and then put on your assistive device or guess who's going down with no oxygen. And then the third thing is as brain training. We know now we're not born with a definite number of brain cells. We can kill them off, stress, smoking and alcohol, uh, but we can also make more. And that's not just called neuroplasticity, like playing Sudoku. Okay, that was great in the 90s. But now neurogenesis is three things we can do every day, starting with kids, to guarantee we're creating new brain cells. And I love that research. And that's what I work with my active agers on. So teenagers, 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, what is it? Tell us what we're doing for our brain. What, where do we go? We have to have a verbal task. We have to have movement of our body, which does not have to be intense. If you want intensity, then those are other valuables that you have to determine based on what you want physiologically. But for new brain cells, it's three-part tasking. You have movement of your mouth movement of your body and movement of your brain in all of its functions. Maybe it's a spatial task, maybe it's a math task, maybe it's a language task, maybe it's a short-term memory task, maybe it's a problem-solving task while you are engaged in movement and movement. So, and, and speaking, a VT, a verbal task. So Lawrence, how do you then take Sudoku and turn it from neuroplasticity into neurogenesis, you ask? Absolutely. Well, you're on a treadmill, for example, and you're doing Sudoku out loud. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. You're doing verbal tasks. You're speaking. You are moving your body. It didn't have to be hard, right? There's nothing as mindless as riding a bike or walking a treadmill going nowhere in a dark room. And number three, you're playing your Sudoku. How wonderful is that? I do other things like brain boot camp where I leave people as spent after 30 minutes of that whole experience as they were as they just finished their taxes. And that's really what we want. We want to overload our physical body to get physical benefits. We want to overload our brain body to make new brain cells. But it starts with little things that you're doing. You could Google and you could YouTube and you can get a plethora of books. I have so many things out there on what we can do just to start to make new brain cells. And it's great to start young. 
Tell them what book specifically talks about this, Lawrence, of yours. Brain Boot Camp 101. Brain Boot Camp. Okay, so look that up, you guys, because man, that's an amazing tip. And I kind of already know that. Like, I do some brain games, like on my iPhone. I'll do some, you know, of those kind of brain boosting things, like the crossword puzzle kind of thing. But I've never thought about the marrying of movement speech, motion, brain, thought, that sort of thing. I guess I probably, the closest I get to it is when I uh, go hiking or running and I sing out loud. I sing out loud. <laughs> I do. Because, yeah, I just, when I'm in the woods, I just, I was talking to my girlfriend about this memory. Like when I found through coronavirus, when I was really stressed out, I would sing out loud. I would sing this mini ripperton song la 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 da, da. wonderful singing is praying twice and i realized and she said to me i was doing it like uh, unconsciously she's like you're calming yourself down you're bringing joy to yourself and you don't even know it and i was like wow and i found that i did do that and i ripped that little riff in uncomfortable situations or things like that so it is soothing and calming to the mind so brain bootcamp i love that one so much Good for you for singing. I think it's really incredible. Let's do one 30-second takeaway. Yes. All right. Just take your hands and wave them up and down. Okay. And keep that going. There's no choreography. That's it. You can't mess up. You just keep going that. Tell me the name of the last song that you sang, the, na- the title of the song. Loving You. What was the second word in the title? You. Well, loving you. you. So this, the second word in the title is you, right? Yes. How, do you, how do you spell it? Y-O-U. How do you spell it backwards? U-O-Y. How many letters? Three. How do you spell three? P-H-R-E-E. And how do you spell that backwards? E-E-R-H-T. And could you say that number in any other language? Tres. Perfect. Done. You relax. Relax your arms. And now when you watch the replay, you'll notice how easy your arms were moving at the beginning. And as we added more verbal and mental tasks, the quality of everything changes. Not a judgment, just awareness. So is the awareness to keep it all moving? Is it like to notice that my arm changed when I was thinking and to keep the flow? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Keep the flow, yo. (laughs) Whatever you have to do to input all the senses that we have so we become champions of living. Champions of living. You consult for spas around the world. So outside of fitness and that sort of thing, I want to talk about the spa industry while I have you because it really is unreachable for so many. And I think that when a lot of people, and I don't know that that's entirely true either. I think there might be a misnomer about the connection of spa and wellness. And when we know it's time to go, you know, like when we know, is there a time that you can help people um, find when it really is time to take that step towards self-care or take a bigger step toward assisted care. And what, what can we really find in the spa world? Not only the good ones that won't break the bank, but when we really should seek out a spa to invest in ourselves and make a change. 
Practical tip, get on the mailing list of every spa in your area, wherever you are in the world. So when there was a special, you know about it and you can go and take advantage of that two for one or great markdown, et cetera. Now is a great time of year at the time that you and I are recording this, Heather, where we're starting to think about those kind of things. But this is a timeless message. Number two, if you're asking yourself, should I bite the bullet and think of self-care and think about a spa and what wellness would give me and what kind of reset could be? Yes, because it's already past time if you've yeah. never been to a spa. I don't believe it's a luxury. Uh, the prices could make spa visits luxury, but this spa and self-care are necessities. SPA, S, school, you got to learn something. P, you got to feel like you're in a palace. And A, you got to feel comfortable in an abode. Because if you don't feel comfortable, who's going to go somewhere and take all your clothes off and say to a total stranger, here's my nude body, rub hot oil all over me, and it's going to improve my wellness, right? Talk about outside of your comfort zone. Yet, paradoxically, that is one of the most wonderful ways to stay well and let your PNS or parasympathetic nervous system allow us to heal ourselves. Once a month, once every four months, once a year, look at what's available where you are and what your budget allows or offer trades for each other, for your friends. Touch is one of the most important things we could do to balance ourselves as we are givers of energy and love and light out on our planet, whatever career we've chosen or whatever career we've allowed to choose us. I wanted people to know that it's not just a luxury, a spa. It really is a destination for you to learn new things like about yourself. And there's all kinds out there. I mean, you could go to spas that have uh, hot tubs with fires that are natural built underneath them. You know, there, there's all kinds of camping spas and, you know, you can find ritual spas and you can find really Buddhist retreats that are very minimalistic and not expensive at all. So you're involved in retreats, right? You're, yes. You've been doing some stuff like that. And that's yep. all that is on your site. And that's sort of an extended spa. That's why my trademark is wellness without walls. You don't have to stay inside somewhere to find out the energy we have inside. I could talk to you for hours and hours. And I, I, and really? I know that there was so much information in this podcast. So I want to talk about two more things with you. One is I want to talk about the importance of play. You talk about the importance of play a lot. Can you share with us what that means and why it's important? I believe we have to get out of our own way, as I've said, and not take ourselves so seriously because we are all angels with one wing. And I believe that the reason angels can fly is that they take themselves so lightly. And when we hold each other's hands in play is how we all lift up. Unfortunately, in so many careers, I find, Heather, a lot of jealousy. I find a lot of fear of, well, I know this and followers and likes and, oh, but she and what about he and all well, that team and maybe not. And I feel that a candle preserves and enhances its focus, its purpose, its heat and its brightness precisely when it's lighting another candle. Find what is your play, and that's how your candle lights those around you. For me, it's talking on Zoom. Mama always told me to dream big. Then there was a pandemic, so now I stream big. And I, my life has become a Brady Bunch box, and it pays the bills, and I'm so grateful to that. And I think it is play. People say, what do you do for work? And, and it's kind of snobby. If people don't know me, I'm not going to say this in an elevator, but I, I don't really work. I, I get compensated with with 
energy exchanges, let's call it that, to do what I love, which is talking to people about things I know and talking to even more people about things I don't know. Surround yourself by people who are smarter than you. That's all play because if we're here to take things seriously, I mean, my father and his stress and his four bypasses and then he died so young and then my my half brother and it's so easy to take our life very, very seriously and look at ourselves and be super serious uh, we've got to, to quote our mutual friend, Petra Kolber, hashtag, keep it real. And that means find the things that bring you joy, surround yourself by the things that are supportive of you and that allow you to play. If you don't play every day, medicine for ulcers is not really fun. And God forbid you need surgery because if you take life too seriously, then you're going to say, well, I would do it again. I don't know anybody on a deathbed. If we have the privilege of knowing that our life is coming to an end, Heather, then would say, oh, I shouldn't have played so much. Mm -mm. We, we can learn to take ourselves less seriously. And I've learned pretty recently, way after turning 50, to your point about the introspection that we have going on, that is that we each of us has two lives and our second one begins the moment we realize we only really have one right exactly exactly wow just sit with that for a second <laughs> amazing well i just cannot thank you enough for all of this inspirational and amazing information flipping our perspectives you guys just let's take a moment i, I normally i ask people how how they find their freedoms but i i mean i, I think to ask you that is, is silly i mean you just spoke about freedom you, this was an hour of freedom this was an hour of finding our freedom so i don't want to take the question away from you if you want to answer it but i really think just a recap right now for people that are lost or, or trying to find their way or really doing the right thing and encouragement to keep doing the right thing. It's really about listening to our inner voices, flipping our perspective, being kind, a laughter goes a long way, getting out of our boxes that we're putting in society. Just give us a roundup, would you Lawrence? I think it's important to know that feeling lost is a very valid feeling. And remember that feelings are not facts. I think it's important to remember to find the ability to play so that we can think and laugh and eat and love and breathe and move every day in just the right amounts, whatever that means for us, that's our lifelong exploration. And whether we're feeling lost or whether we're feeling found at least every decade, revisit this book, this script, this movie called Shirley Valentine and ask yourself, how does this woman's journey to herself, forget Greece, it's metaphorical, apply to me? And how am I on an odyssey looking with quantum vision in other words in far future i'm looking back at my life and somebody asks you some millennial some kiddos looks at you and says hey heather you're one of those people privileged to turn the century you were alive in the 1900s and you brought us into the 2000s and uh, why do you think you were one of those people on our planet you were one of those people that came through september 11. what did that change in your life and how did you learn from that and you were one of those people to go through two years of a pandemic how, when you look back on that time did, did it make you better or did it make you bitter did it reveal who you are or did it change who you were and um, those kind of questions from quantum look at yourself from the point of view of future deathbed unfortunately and look back and say how do i want to write this script and right. this is it this is it
For anyone who wants to get started today, find Lawrence. He's there to help you. He's got so much literature, so much good stuff on. I would keep talking to him for an hour, but Lawrence, for my listeners who don't already know you and follow you, where can they find you and where can they find all of this great stuff and all this great information that you lend us? Thank you for asking because my two followers are my dog and my mom. So I would love to have some more people being on your show. As I said at the very beginning is the big deal. FindLawrence.com slash the big deal. will give people some gifts like clips of Shirley Valentine. Also, I'd like to say that if you are on any social media besides TikTok, all you got to type in there is find Lawrence with no spaces and you will find Lawrence. I want to be super easy in the nicest possible, most professional and ethical way, of course, to find. Therefore, find Lawrence. It's my Twitter. It's my website. It's my Lawrence at find Lawrence. It's my email. If you can't find me, then something is wrong. I want to be connected to you in some way. Let me know how I can be of service because I believe that's my purpose on my planet is to be of service. Well, and you are of service, my friend, and so much service to so many. I thank you so much to my guest, Lawrence Biscontini. This is In My Heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along at I Am Heather T. And don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcast. Join us next week for a new episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.